This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether you're a brand new listener or someone who has been with us through thick and thin, we're very grateful to have you with us. Each week we get together to chat all things Saints FC on and off the pitch, and we always try to do that in a level-headed and constructive manner, whatever the result. On this week's pod, we'll touch briefly on the fallout from Tuesday's game at Leeds United, where Ralph Hasenhutl publicly called out his players as having given up, and we'll look ahead to two further fixtures this coming week, Monday night at Everton and next weekend at Sheffield United. Joining me are always are three individuals who never give up, on their thoughts and opinions on Saints. It's Steve Glenn and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Evening, gents. Good evening. 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 Dan, I've got to start with you this week. The slow cooker, it's really becoming uh, something big now. Alongside you regularly getting asked about it at St Mary's, of course. Jeff and Andrew, I saw, were talking about it on the Athletic post-leads Q&A. And Kevin, who listens to the pod up in Russia, suggested it may even need to have its own Twitter handle now. So uh, I was going to ask you whether you thought it would ever have a, you know, such an impact on so many people's lives. I didn't, and I think that probably says more about where Southampton's season has gone in, in recent weeks that my, my, my still-boxed slow cooker is still a topic of discussion among Southampton fans. I mean, that just says everything, doesn't it, about the turn of the year? <laughs> it does. And, uh, yeah, Steve, I was thinking about this. I mean, we can't underestimate maybe, you know, what a big moment it's going to be when Dan finally unboxes it in his new house and uses it for the first time. I was thinking that uh, a bit like when uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon, you get the feeling now that this is going to be a, a live global feed. There's going to be so many people that want to tune in and see Dan using it. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should have a public poll as to what the first meal he cooks in it is. That's a great show. Um, sausage, whether it's sausage casserole, uh, uh, I don't know, some barbecue ribs, something like that. I don't know. Uh, I guess it depends what time of year it is when you finally actually open the thing. It'll be summer. It'll be summer. 
Probably oh, not well, the perfect it's... time for a slow cooker, I'm not sure. Cause, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, ribs, ribs would work, I think. I think um... it's going to be like a scene from that, that Seven film. It's going to have Gwyneth Paltrow's severed head in it. <laughs> <laughs> with, with pineapple What's rings. in the box? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh well no, there you there go that's go. killed that conversation <laughs> literally yeah and uh, Glenn let's try and uh, yeah obviously calm ourselves down from Stoke Cookergate then uh, another enjoyable TSP patron event yesterday considering what's happening on the pitch at the moment good to catch up with those that uh, can make it and as always some passionate and interesting chat yeah it's, it's interesting to if you get you know I mean usually there's just you know the three or four of us talking about what's going on um so to have a chat with sort of like 15 people or whatever it was you you kind of you do get some sort of very diverse points of view um which is cool because obviously everyone's got an opinion so i dare say amongst the 15 people that were on the call you had some you know you had some ralph out merchants and you had some you know right to the other end of the spectrum who uh keep calm and carry on sort of thing so it's uh it's always interesting to uh to, to talk to people face to face but the, the good thing was everyone was reasonable it wasn't like Twitter totally. where uh, if someone doesn't share your point of view they're, they're, they obviously they must you. be killed <laughs> exactly, must, yeah. must, be, must be killed with fire yeah, very no, aggressively indeed, so, yeah. no it was, all, yeah. it, was uh, it was all good fun it was a bit early in the morning for a Saturday but <laughs> that's that's fine that's the price we pay for having these uh, people follow us from all over the world exactly we're very lucky and yeah you know Dan from Melbourne being on and things like that uh, down in Australia makes it all worthwhile but yeah absolutely right yeah there was a good sort of 25 minute chat about Ralph and uh, all the sort of positive and uh, critical moments of the moment but yeah absolutely great to see you all and uh, as Glenn says you know thanks for joining if you did and obviously for the ongoing patron support as per normal okay underpinned by those dedicated global TSP patrons this is TSP 152 This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Well, it wasn't pretty and it certainly wasn't effective. The big question was, could Saints do on a cold, wet February Tuesday at Leeds? The answer was emphatically no. No, they couldn't. Steve, after the 3-0 defeat, Ralph said, quote, We gave up in the second half and that is not what I like. We were nasty in the first half, but we were a nice opponent in the second half and gave them the three points easily. Not exactly what you want to hear. Um, no, but ultimately you can't sugarcoat the truth. And yeah, I mean, for all that we were, we were pretty decent. I thought on an absolute garbage pitch um, in the first half. Yeah, second half we created, we had what one chance, I reckon. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was poor. Gave away, gave away really soft goals. I mean, they were, they were, they were well taken by by Leeds and and Leeds up their game second half. But yeah, we were. I mean, we might as well have stayed in the dressing room um, at half time. Such was the. Uh, such as the kind of non-performance after the break. And Dan, um, I think we all knew what we saw. I think Ralph knew what he saw. But what did you make of him calling out his, his side publicly for giving up, as I mentioned earlier? Um, the right approach to take or not? I think so, because it was it was abysmal, really, that that second half was just... The way they, they folded was just... You're watching and you're thinking, really? Is it really this bad? I think there's only so much defending you can do of your players... And again, I think it's important to stress that this isn't just the 11 out on the pitch. Ralph has to take some responsibility for, for what happens on the pitch because he is the manager. So ultimately, as he will know, as everyone will know, the buck does stop with him. However, 
I'm sure when he sent his players out for the second half, he did not tell them to play the way they did. And as as Steve has just said, you can't. It gets to a point where you can't sugarcoat it. They gave up. So if the manager had come out and said, "I oh, it was a it was a spirited display. The Leeds were just a better team. The, the pitch was awful. We lost Ori in, during the second half. It, it it just didn't work out." you guys would have been like, hang on a minute, Ralph, what are you talking about? Are we watching a different game now? So I think he did the right thing by saying they came out and they and his players gave up because uh, it certainly looked like they did. There's no other way he could have really, he, he could have said that. What I think is important is why did they give up? And I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but why did it look like they did give up? That's, is it something to do with how, how low in confidence they are? Did they not understand what he wanted to do in the second half? And then Leeds just took advantage of that or, there's so many kind of things that that can be drawn from the fact that he's come out and said they gave up. So I, I thought the, I thought the comments were interesting at the time. I agree with Steve. There's no other way he could have said it. Um, he would have made himself look foolish. Had he said it was a it was a good second half, we were just punished by Leeds being too good. When we were talking about going into the game, it was no one foresaw the way that Leeds would just beat Southampton and beat them properly beat them I mean it was I think was it you that tweeted Ben or you said in the, the WhatsApp group about Leeds have kept one clean sheet in their last 10 games <laughs> well, I said on the pod last week it was 1-9 yeah. it's now 1-11 because Villa scored against them as well Dan so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so for it was just it was just a really really poor poor performance and you think well poor second half should, I should say and you would have just felt that going from that Chelsea game where they they had a bit about them Southampton that there would have been more against Leeds but they it really was just chalk and cheese from the opening half to the second half. And yeah, let's let's see if there's going to be an improvement uh, Monday night because there certainly needs to be after that. Yeah. Glenn, I'm sorry to make you relive this because you spent about 10 minutes talking about uh, on the Patreon event yesterday. But uh, yeah, <laughs> a, a, a bit like the last few weeks, Glenn. Saints obviously, as Dan mentioned there, played pretty well in that first 45 minutes but didn't take their chances. And uh, yeah, Sod's Law uh, obviously Leeds eventually got the uh, rare clean sheet. But I, I suppose... You know, the key thing for us is, is kind of knowing exactly what was going to happen after t- half time, wasn't it? We didn't take our chances, then we conceded a goal one minute after half time, and then you just kind of know what's going to happen after that. Well, you know, we took, yeah, as you say, we did this in the in the patrons event. So uh, sorry if you got to listen to me say the same things again. But the the first half, Leeds were poor, and we were decent, but we didn't score. Second half, totally reversed. We were poor, they were decent, they scored three. So that immediately makes me look at our forward players. And, you know, what were we doing first first half? I mean, we looked at the team when the when it was picked and thought, where's the goal threat in there? Adams hasn't scored since Ronald Reagan was alive. <laughs> and, um, you know, you've got Nathan Teller making a debut. You've got Nathan Redmond, who, who doesn't look like he's got a goal in him at the moment. And so I think part of the plan for Ralph was to, to win it in the second half with Ings and Minamino coming on. But the, the trouble was the game was virtually... You know, we were we were going downhill rapidly by the time they came on, and so they they really didn't get much chance to 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 get into the game. But but the key, I mean, we had the couple of decisions in the first half that went that went against us. Technically, they're correct. Um, I do wonder if our our heads went down again because we had what we saw as you know decisions go against us. But the way we started the second half, the, the amount of space that I think it's held Acosta has got in midfield to, to pick that pass through to Bamford. And no, no one reacts. You know, Ralph has said we can only win games if we're all at it 100% and we're playing as a team. Well, no one was on Costa. He got the ball through to Bamford and no one seemed to realise that he was about to shoot. Even Vestergaard, who's been our best defender by far this season, didn't didn't look like he really read the danger. And Bamford hits it first time and, it, and then it goes. 
I didn't think it was a case that we gave up at that point. I thought for the next 20 minutes, it, you know, we, we weren't we weren't bad. And then the, the remote, you know, we weren't totally out of the game. But the Romeo injury and moving Stuart Armstrong back to the centre of midfield just just killed us because we were only one nil down at that point. And that was that was when it all went. And the, the second goal is is an absolute classic. It, it it sums up all the bad bits of our play after that point because Minamino has the ball. He just crosses it aimlessly into the box. Leeds clear it. One of our players who's in the box is Armstrong, who shouldn't be there because he's now playing deeper. And Leeds go pass, pass, pass. And Dallas does the toe punt from the edge of the box and scores. And then then the game is dead. It, it, it was it was very, very, you know, just dreadfully poor. And the game the game was gone at that point. So I don't know whether we felt sorry for ourselves, but it was just it was just weak. It was just a really weak second half. And if 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 you don't take your chances when you're on top, you know, this has been the same since football began. If you're you're gonna have periods of the game where you're on top and periods where you have to defend. And if you if you don't score when you're on top, which we just do not like do did not look like doing, then um then that's the way it goes. I mean the bright spark was Nathan Teller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then we took him off and that didn't that didn't help. Yeah. Um, he you know, he was he was the one who looked who looked lively and I think he was the only forward who got a shot on target. I mean, you know, not good. No. And Dan, I, I suppose time will ultimately tell here, won't it? But how mentally scarred do you think the squad are at the moment, particularly with the, the Wayful Premier League run? Well, the it's hard to hard to say. I imagine I imagine they are. It's it's a rut they they can't seem to get themselves out of and it's been going on quite a while. And I think even before the the Liverpool win at the start of the year, it yeah, the couple of games before that weren't exactly brilliant either. I can't remember the last time they scored sort of two or three goals in a Premier League game. Must have been sure at home, was it? Something like that, yeah. Was it? Yeah, maybe. I'd have to double check. It's difficult because you speak to people, I speak to people close to players, close to the club, and it's not kind of an everything is fine because clearly everything isn't fine. There, there's clearly a problem with them winning games at the moment, but there doesn't seem... I don't get the sense that there is a a malaise that's set in where the players are just in a never-ending circle of doom that I don't get that sense I I get the sense that they realize they're in a bit of a rut that they know they they need to get out of it but they're also in a run of games where it's probably gonna be quite tricky to get out of it because they've now got Everton Sheffield and Man City now you look at the Sheffield game I think if they can I mean chances are that a draw would be a good result at Everton the way things are going. If they get beat by Everton, which you you probably expect them to, they have to win against Sheffield. I think that that's an important win. And then they're not going to win against Man City. I don't think they will. Um, I, I'd be surprised if they did. And then you think if they can beat Sheffield, I mean, they've had a good weekend of results this weekend, haven't they? I think. And it's crazy that we're even talking about that they've had a good weekend of results because teams below them have lost. But it's been a good weekend. If they can just they just need one or two more wins, don't they? It's yeah, one one or two more wins, and that's it. And then it's right, okay. We plan ahead now. This, I think we get one, and all of a sudden everything will look totally different. We'll we'll have we'll have a lot more confidence in the in in the game plan. Yeah, and fingers. It's just a shame that you'd almost rather the. I don't know, would you rather the Sheffield game be after the Man City game? Because you might get a good result against Sheffield and then go and get battered by City just to bring you back down to the earth. I, I, I don't know. but And then, the, look, so they can get, get another win or City, two. Won't they? Yeah, if you, if you get another win or two, then you can go into the FA Cup game and 
you you know that you're going to be safe in the Premier League. You can kind of focus on that. I think there's probably an acceptance of that there may be a little bit more short-term pain coming Southampton's way in the next seven to ten days. But hopefully there's some long-term gains. In the next 24 hours, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But, you know. Hopefully there's some long-term gain when when the players are, are coming back. And I, I must admit, I've been, although I felt sympathy for the injuries they were having, uh, I always felt that, well, other teams are having injuries. But I mean, to learn of Romeo's injury was just mm. like, I don't know if we're going to touch on it or yeah. not, but it's just, that's like a really, that's for him, it's just awful. You know, he's not that it matters what kind of guy you are, but he's such a great guy. You, you I don't feel anything but kind of sorry for him. And then you're out and you're thinking, well, bloody hell, like Diallo's injured, Romeo's injured. I mean, I, the player should just eat and do what James Ward-Prowse is doing. He never misses a game, so mm. everyone should just copy him. Yeah. The injuries have been brutal. I mean, the, the longer it's gone on, the more I've kind of uh, towards that side now where it is just... I don't know how you can really deal with it. And, you know, listen to, like, Liverpool, or it's like the way they kind of talk about their injuries. And, OK, the players they've got injured may be a lot better than the ones Southampton have got injured, but the ones that Southampton have lost are so important to the team as well it's 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 just it's just so it's really brutal for Ralph I think every time he's met with a bit of good news it's oh great brilliant now what but I mean I don't think he's totally innocent again because he played Kyle Walker-Peters in back-to-back games he didn't need to play Kyle Walker-Peters in those two games in a row I don't think so he could have played Kane Ramsey who they've just given a new contract to they have yeah didn't have to play Kyle so I think there's probably more could have been done on preventing Walker Peters picking up another another injury but yeah the Romeo one is just it's just another killer blow in what has been a really really tough six to eight maybe ten weeks in, is, the, the, walk, is, the Walker, is the Walker Peters injury is that a recurrence of the same injury or is that a, a new I one think it's, I think it's a muscle I think he said yeah. it was a muscle yeah I think he um, said hamstring didn't he because the, cause the, yeah, first, the first one was an ankle yeah. issue wasn't it yeah right okay yeah but then he probably wasn't quite ready he was probably no. undercooked I mean it's still two games in yeah, three, four days, days or something, wasn't it? Yeah, back, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's been bloody cold as well. Yeah. And I know that doesn't sound like anything, but I mean, it, it's and they're playing at night time, which doesn't always help because again, it's colder and you know, muscles take a little bit longer to warm up. Yeah. I found myself earlier, it's the 20th of February, and I was sat there the last 10 minutes of watching Palace against Fulham, nervous that Fulham were going to score. It's uh, ridiculous uh, how the season's changed, hasn't it? But uh, Ralph was talking about mindset ahead of the Everton game in his pre Everton press conference, and I asked him about how easy it is or hard it is to improve mindset during a tough run like this. Here's what Ralph had to say. Yeah, it's everything about winning in football, and um, if you offer them some options this week to get some wins in the sessions, uh, I think can help you building up a mentality that is what you need to do and uh, as I said um, I have still the feeling that this team has the quality to win games uh, we are not so far away from, from what we have played in our best time to be honest eh? because we have still a lot of chances we don't give a lot of chances okay in the last game against Leeds if they have space they create against every team a lot of chances because they are physically and uh, mentally very strong in the moment because they have a good run so it is never easy every team gave them a lot of chances but against Chelsea I think I didn't see a lot if we did give them a penalty I think it was also a chance to win this game so when you see the performance a part of the from the result in the last months I think we didn't get what we could get I think and uh, to find this tool to bring the 50-50 games on our side I think this is the challenge we have in the next weeks and arguably Steve then uh, yeah as uh, Dan sort of mentioned before Ralph was talking there the the 
frustration probably that just sort of tips us over the edge on the evening was uh, losing Oriol Romeo for the rest of the season because uh, I know Dan asked uh, Ralph about uh, options for the Everton game and I think it was pretty much Jankovic and uh, Keggs uh, as we like to call him so Romeo is going to be a big miss for the next three months yeah it's a shame but I think FA Cup run aside I think it's it's probably not a not an awful time for for us to have a relatively serious injury because he's going to get I mean basically the three months will take us through to the end of the season he'll he'll then have a full summer to get himself up to pre-season fitness with a view to then hit hitting the ground running at the start of next season so if there is ever a good time to get a get a bad injury um which I mean realistically there isn't but in that sort of tiny little uh, window of uh, of sort of slight um, not quite as negative as as you might be then that's the that's the kind of silver lining to take from it i suppose but with very few other options in in that position obviously it, it makes it does make things pretty pretty tough at least for the next uh, i don't know two two weeks or so um until we um possibly get diallo back I mean, we'll see whether Jankovic can last more than 72 seconds uh, tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow night, I suspect. Um, First tackle is going to be interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a proper wincing job, isn't it? <laughs> God. Um, but we'll see. It may, it may well be that Old Trafford was just a complete freak and that the stats of Jankovic getting booked and sent off in basically every under-23 game that he's played this season... <laughs> Are, are actually the anomaly. Um, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll we'll. It's, it's, it's been one of those things. We've just got to deal with it. As we've said, other clubs have had injuries. I think in terms of relativity to the size of the squad, I would say it's basically us and Palace have probably had the worst of it. Uh, Liverpool got a massive squad. The players that they've brought in to replace the guys who have who have got injured for them would still get in our first team. The fact that they've been bleating on and just everyone giving them loads, well, anybody of a Liverpool persuasion at least, giving them um, all the excuses in the world for their um, diabolical title defence. It's, it's, you're comparing apples with oranges. And yeah, I mean, when you're having to throw in uh, players who are literally not, not played a senior game, then yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I, do, I have found the, the kind of the talk coming out, coming out of the club, this week, I think Ralph said something about, well, yeah, obviously you, you'd always want a bigger squad. I mean, that's literally the opposite to what he said at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, he was quite, he was quoted. Um, I don't know, don't know whether it was just in a normal interview or whether it was a press conference or what, but he said at the start of the season, no, I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I'm happy to have a, have a smaller squad of players because it means that the players that aren't in the team, um, aren't moaning. Because there aren't any, any players who aren't in and around the first team. I mean, we, we discussed this obviously on um, yesterday with the, the patron, patron event that the, one of the issues we had in the second half of the Claude Puel season was that because obviously we were out of the Europa League, the League Cup um, run had finished, um, all of a sudden you're only playing one game a week. And, all of a, and now you've got eight or nine players who have, who have got the because they're, they're not getting picked. I mean, Jay Rodriguez was was supposedly one of the one of the worst for it. Um, certainly, his his um, his brother and dad on social media were were particularly vocal. And it was just and that's that's always the risk when you're at a at a smaller club with with a relatively big squad. As soon as the games dry up, which they're perfectly likely to do at some point, then you've kind of got different issues to manage and it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, where, where do you want to go? I mean, it's, it, 
do you want a, do you want a big squad where you've got loads of options or do you want to take the take the chance that um that nobody ever gets injured um i mean we got quite lucky last season in that we didn't i don't i can't remember any big any really big injuries that that caused us severe problems um whereas this season we've obviously had loads of them and it's 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 just one of those things you can't what can you do about it i, I do feel though that we've somewhere along the way either a boardroom level or at ralph's level we we've we've kind of misread the demands of the season somewhat with it being uh, you know obviously a, a, a compressed season yeah i do feel like we've misread somehow uh, the effect on players with injuries having a small squad ralph's style of football ralph's teams historically when when he's been manager of other clubs have, have always struggled with two games a week we were always going to have lots of midweek games this season once it's but we, once but we it's were okay in the re, in the restart period um, I mean, I guess that I guess it's a small, obviously a smaller sample size. But we we went into this season. I mean, we we effectively threw our place in the League Cup in order to get ourselves three uh, midweeks on the bounce without without a game yeah. where we could get our get our levels up um, properly. And we and we were fine up until Christmas. Yeah. And then all all of a sudden it's um it's kind of hit us like an express train again. I think the one of the other teams that have possibly misread the room in this season is Liverpool as well. And look at the injuries they've got. I, I know it's easy because look at Man City and look at the squad they've had, the, the squad they've got at their disposal. I mean, look at their bench from the other day. It was just the, the players on their bench would get into pretty much any other starting eleven uh, in the Premier League. And I think Pep's done it absolutely spot on. I think he's realised what this season is going to be about, is adapted and look at them fly. Whereas perhaps Liverpool, Southampton, maybe a few other teams haven't quite judged it and how how quite intense it was going to be without the pre-season and they've paid the price I yeah, think I feel somewhat silly talking about Liverpool because they're on a different level to us completely but when you when you look at Klopp and the way he's tried to deal with it to, to me he's created more problems because he's taken his midfield and put it in defence mm-hmm. and you know so he's tinkered with players out of position sound familiar? <laughs> yeah I the, mean the, the, you the know, mid, midfield of, was the reason why they won the title yeah because he because he'd finally found an answer for that so midfield that, so that was always oh, that was always their problem they're great they always had great strikers even under Brendan Rodgers they were great they were a great team to watch going forward but they were always a liability at the back because they gave they gave the back four absolutely no protection whatsoever and he's basically gone back to that it's weird <laughs> is the Total Saints podcast, proudly underpinned by our TSP patrons. Things don't get any easier for Saints with two further tough-looking away trips over the next week. First up is Goodison Park and Carlo Ancelotti's Everton side on Monday evening. The last time Saints won in the Premier League, I was 16 years old and Dan Sheldon was still in nappies. I'll be 40 this summer, so that tells you everything you need to know. November 1997. Glenn, I think it's fair to say Goodison Park has been anything but a happy hunting ground. No, it's awful. <laughs> it's always been awful. Um, Can they hurry up and build that new ground? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you ever been there to watch a game as well? It's an awful place to go to That's watch tremendous. a game. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it is the wor- worst away end in the ground by yeah. a country mile. Yeah, I've been I've been a few times. There. I did actually see us win. You must have been that game. Is that the that Kevin Davis game? Yeah, that's right. Kevin Davis, Matt Letizia, header. Yeah, so... I think I've been there twice. I went, yeah, that that game and the seven-one defeat. I went there. That was a good one. <laughs> Chalk and cheese, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So they're been um, like consecutive years, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I think it might have been. Yeah, they're um 
Oh, they're a good, they're a good team this year. Um, we did a proper job on them. It was one of our best performances of the season when they when they came down to St Mary's because at the time they were the champions. They were unbeaten, weren't they? Yeah. Because they won their first four games and everyone was giving it a big one about how good they were. And Spurs. To be honest, we we gave them a bit of a lesson that that day and won quite comfortably. Um, oh, for that to happen again. But um, what I what I, I mean, I was I was always impressed with Ancelotti anyway, even though he did have a bit of a moan up when um, when we beat them, if I remember correctly. But he. He is, ironically, he's been doing without his fullbacks for a lot of the season as well. Colm has been injured, Dinho has been injured. And he, he's kind of, obviously they've got, you know, bigger squad. But he's managed to win games playing four centre-backs across the defence, but playing them narrow and getting the midfielders to play slightly differently. So he's, he's kind of adapted to, uh, to make sure that his team, you know, keeps picking up points. And, and they, uh, I've, I've lost track of where they are in the league now. I think they're sort of fifth or sixth, something like that. But they, you know, they're they're, they're having a good season, and and they have got every chance of of improving going in going into next season as well. So uh, yeah, Ancelotti, he's, he's he's top man as far as I'm concerned. He's he's up there with uh, with Pep as one of the best managers in the league. Uh, certainly, certainly this season. It's a very tough game for us. It's a for me personally, it's a zero expectation game. We we go there, and you know, we've got we've got a point. A couple of times, relatively recently, um, we we nearly won a few years ago. We got done in the last minute, yeah, didn't we? Mark Hughes, I was wasn't there, um, just before the Swansea game. Yeah, yeah, not not expecting too much. They, it's just about got, not getting got, absolutely smashed again, though, isn't it, Glenn? Yes, it is. Um, and you know, if if Alex Jankovic does play, which we assume he's going to, then you know he's got a former decent partnership with with Ward Prowse. I'm very aware that this is kind of aping the Manchester United lineup. But I'd play Kane Ramsey at right back. They've just given him a new contract, so they obviously think enough of him to. Otherwise, they, why would they bother doing that? So, you know, get him in. I mean, if it does seem interesting that that was announced today ahead of a game where he could, you know, well have a chance of playing. Yeah, I mean, Bednarek. I mean, bless him. He's doing a job out there. But if that was the first time you'd seen Jan Bednarek play, you, you'd be thinking, Christ, I don't want him playing for us ever again. I don't remember ever calling him out to play it right back, to be honest, on the pod. I don't think I ever did that, so... Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be but, a fool that did that, but yeah. But, yeah. yeah, it was surprising that, because he just sort of let, let Rafinha run past him, which he wouldn't have done if he'd been playing in the middle of the pitch. He would have at least put a challenge in, but anyway. Yeah, so I hope I hope we don't repeat that again, and Bednarek is back in the centre. Um, Vestergaard will have to do a job on Calvert-Lewin, which he did really, really well. At St Mary's, but you know, with Romeo missing, a lot of things have got to fall into place for us to get anything out of that out of that game. And we've got to score a goal, which we we just don't look like doing very often at the moment. So not expecting a great deal. Just for, very very briefly, Glenn, um, before we move on, I've seen a few people, you know, rightly or wrongly, again, every opinion is respected. I think um, mentioning potentially they could push Jack Stevens into that defensive midfield position against Prowse. Is that an option you consider, or do you think that's silly? Um. No, I, not not seriously. I, I personally, I I think give Jankovic another go. Mm-hmm. Um, if he doesn't do it or does another karate kick after 30 seconds or whatever, then then maybe the next the next option would be Jack Stevens. Um, because I mean, Kex Chalk was mentioned. I mean, he looks about 14 years old. Mm-hmm. He just looks so small. He's not far off that, Glenn. To be honest. Yeah, I know he's not. And just the the thought of him playing as a you know, t- trying to take Romeo's place in the centre of midfield. It just, it, no, I, I can't, I can't see that. So I could see maybe Jack Stevens or maybe even Yannick Vestergaard in the centre of midfield, possibly if, um, if Jankovic doesn't work. But, you know, at the end of the day, as we said before, Jankovic is a Swiss under 21 international. 
he sh- he should be able to step in and do a half decent job. So, and hopefully everyone will support him whatever he does. Absolutely, absolutely. So no, totally. And uh, Dan, uh, Glenn was just talking about Carlo Ancelotti there. It was interesting. I think uh, Thursday of last week, him talking about the importance to his side of getting the first goal against Saints from their confidence in terms of Everton and the way they've been playing at home. Arguably, you could say, obviously, from a Saints point of view, maybe stating the obvious here, it's almost imperative that we don't concede first, given the sort of mental confidence we discussed earlier. So I, I think I sound like Andy Gray here, but the first goal in the game, you know, you can't almost underestimate how important it's going to be. Absolutely not, because as as you mentioned, if, if Southampton get it, they go 1-0 up, their confidence levels skyrocket. If Everton get it, Southampton's confidence just drops back down again. It's 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 as simple as that really. If, if I mean I don't know what I don't think there's much more to add other than if Everton get one and then there's a visible drop off in the way Southampton are playing or their heads go down a little bit, Everton can quickly go and get two and two or two and three and then within ten or fifteen minutes the game's gone. Whereas if Southampton get one, we've seen recently against Chelsea that they can defend they they can defend a lead um they've just not had a lead all, all that that too often in recent weeks but we we've seen that that mentality where whether that was chelsea just not creating enough or what but had it not been for that penalty i don't think chelsea would have scored so it's it's crucial that southampton of course score first and then they've got something to defend you can't defend anything if you're 3-0 down at, at half time so yeah first goal really really important yeah and I suppose the one thing Steve as you mentioned on the pod last week is that they've had almost a, a week from the Leeds game to try and regroup and prepare for this match but before we get on to predictions I suppose that the very very least Steve that we want bearing in mind what happened Tuesday night bearing in mind Ralph's called them out for giving up is you just want to see 90 minutes of, of effort and sticking with it and even if they're you know let's hope not 2-3 nil down whatever that they're still fighting and battling for 90 minutes so they don't just give up yeah I mean I think a lot of that will be dictated by who's on the who's kind of whose legs are still um still with them at that point in the game because I mean Everton Everton are a funny team in that sometimes they can be a very static team players like Gilfie Sigurdsson don't tend to move an awful lot but if you stand off him you can um then obviously you give him give him all the time and space to to pick a pass or to pick a shot from distance and he can he can um he can hurt you really badly which he's done to us before yeah yeah exactly but there are there have also been been plenty of games where he's played against us and he's been completely anonymous yeah. because we've because we've kept the tempo up and he's not he's basically just been completely lost to the game because it's passed him by and I think that was kind of the situation with James Rodriguez in the in the early, in the game earlier this season at St Mary's where basically every everything that Everton would were trying to do was going through him but the game was too quick for him uh, we were closing him down far too quickly f- for him to be able to actually um, pick up any passes. Um, he, I mean, he was he was let down massively by his teammates not making any space for him as well. But th- for probably the entire second half, it was like, well, you might as well not be on the pitch here. And as long as we can defend against against key players in in that kind of in that kind of fashion, then I mean, we've got a chance of getting getting a result. I mean, certainly we're second second favourites at, at um well probably third favourites behind a draw. But you never know. I mean there's there have there have been some some funny funny results this season. Many of them have come at Goodison Park. Um no nobody expected Fulham to go there and I mean Fulham absolutely battered them. Newcastle yeah. absolutely battered them not that long ago either. Leeds um, yeah. and yeah. 
And so their 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 record at home has been fairly mediocre recently. So you'd hope that gives us a little bit of little bit of optimism. And I mean, re- I mean, let's let's be honest. The fact that the fact that teams from ten years ago went to Goodison and lost should have no bearing on on what this group of players does. But of course, I mean, as fans, we all we all kind of live live with the the those those sort of runs of runs of games and our sort of respective records at, at certain grounds. But the players, it shouldn't it shouldn't be in their mind at all. And ultimately, they're they're good enough to get a result. If they put the if they put the performance in. Indeed. Well, as I said on the Patreon event yesterday, it's been a season of uh, Saints breaking records, hasn't it? One way or another. So hopefully this will be another one. But I'm just looking at the weather forecast here. This is a live meteorological uh, update. It says it's going to be a one percent chance of rain. So on a positive, the pitch shouldn't be as bad as it was at Leeds uh, on Tuesday. But uh, can't be any worse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Steve, come on then. Let's. Uh, you sounded fairly optimistic there. So uh, let's get a prediction out of you first. Um, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't be. Couldn't be a hilarious one nil win. One <laughs> nil win. Brilliant. All right, Dan. Well, it's been it's all been doom and gloom the last few weeks, so I, I'm just gonna go way out there and I'm gonna have to beat Steve and go two one Saints. Two one Saints. All right, excellent. Glenn, what do you reckon? One all draw. One all draw. Excellent. And for me, I'll, I want to be confident. I really do. But Carlson and Sigerson, one of them always has a habit of scoring against us. So. Uh, I'm going to go for 2-0 Everton, unfortunately. Everton is followed up by this 78-mile trip east to Bramall Lane and Sheffield United uh, on Saturday. Steve, it's been a long time coming this season. Dan mentioned it kind of earlier, but is Sheffield United a must-win for Saints? It's a, it's a must-not-lose. You sound like Adam Leach. No, I, I, I think with the way that they've not been completely hopeless since Christmas, um, I don't think it's it's a game that you go in... Um, thinking it's a gimme anymore. Um, I think if we played them any time from basically from the start of the season up until <sighs> FA Cup third round weekend, um, I think you go up there and you say, right, if you do not win, then that's a bad result. Um, now they're they're putting in, they're at least putting in performances, even if they're not necessarily um, still picking up results. The thing with Sheffield United is you've got to match them for endeavour. If we don't if we don't do that, then we could be on the end of something something fairly horrible. So again, similar to similar to tomorrow night, if you put the effort in, then hopefully things things fall our way. I mean, the one the one thing you can say is that despite our um, our failings in front of goal, we do have much more attacking quality than Sheffield United do. Um, even with yeah, even even with sort of slight hesit- hesitancy maybe among someone like Shea, uh, Shea Adams. I mean, he'll he'll be um, looking to uh, prove a point against his former former club again. He's got a good scoring record against them. So yeah, I mean, I, th- I think while it's yeah, I wouldn't as I say, I wouldn't say it's a must win, but it's a it's a must do something, must get some sort of result. But we'll see. Yeah, and Sheffield United's current run reads 20 losses out of 25 games this season, heading into the Liverpool game, which is happening right now. So clearly, it's been a, a struggle for them, despite plenty of effort as Steve mentioned um, not only that Dan but they also have another game with Aston Villa on Wednesday night so it means that they'll only get two days recovery before playing us I know Saints are obviously playing Monday but that could be really pivotal and, and potentially something to capitalise on as we've discussed before absolutely and it's it's that is a in this season that's been obviously just mental from the get-go really but even more so at the moment it's recovery is king and if Southampton as they do have a few extra days to to not only recover, but then because Ralph has often said that at the moment there's no time to train because you're spending like a day or two recovering. Well, if Sheffield are kind of preparing in the same way, then 
they're going to have no time to really focus on Southampton. They're going to be just sat doing vid- video analysis, basically. I guess that's what Southampton have been doing in in these tight turnaround games. So for for Ralph and for Ralph's players to have a day or two to to recover from Everton and then actually work on Sheffield, that is a a real real big bonus. And I think Ralph is at his strongest. Although I guess recent results probably go against that, but Ralph's at his strongest when he has a bit of time to when he can sit well, Chelsea down. Chelsea was a good example of that, wasn't he? he had a yeah, week to prepare them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was their best performance in in a while. So where he can really sit down with his analysts, his players, and get them doing stuff on the training pitch that can, that may help compensate for Romeo not being there, or where they can actually think about these things and think, right, if we play him there. Player X has got to do this. Player Y has got to do this because the player we're replacing him with tends to make this run or something. Do you know what I mean? I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. But yeah, what I'm saying is, yeah, it's, it's really, really important that they've got those few extra days. I think it makes it will make a big difference. It should make a big difference. Mm. And let's be a little bit pessimistic here, Glenn, which I know is unlike me. Um, assuming Saints don't get anything at Everton, then how big do you personally think Saturday's game with the Blaze is? Because I suppose from Chris Wilder's point of view, again, we don't know how they're going to get on against Liverpool and Aston Villa, but they're clearly going to see Saints at home with our current run as a, a winnable fixture from them when they're desperate for points and things like that. So again, trying to be positive, actually, could that help us if United think, well, we need to get out of Southampton and we need to take the game to them because that will potentially leave uh, you know, the back door open for us? Well, I, I think Sheffield United are dead and I think they know they're dead. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, does that I don't... take the pressure off altogether then? Well, I think that with them having a two-day turnaround, I I can honestly see them not turning up very much against us. So I I personally think we have to be targeting this game for a win. Uh, With all the things that are you know, that I've just mentioned that were that kind of piled up in our favour, we should be. It it will be a poor result if we if we don't win this. And there there is absolutely absolutely no reason, even with the players we've got out, why we shouldn't win this. Um, You know, there are a couple of teams in the division who haven't got a striker worthy of the name. And Sheffield United are one of them, and Brighton are the other, Brighton are another one. So, Well, their best centre-forward is about 47, isn't he? So, yeah. So defensively, we shouldn't, as long as we defend properly and as a team, then we shouldn't have a problem against Sheffield United. We, we beat, they've got Ollie McBurney up front, for God's sake. Um, it's still the funniest moment of the season when he injured himself trying to dive. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. And <laughs> throw his shoulder brilliant. out, didn't he? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> totally serves him right. So I personally... I. Yeah, assuming we get nothing from Everton, which is probably a likely scenario, then we have to target this game for a win. And as Steve said earlier on, if if we get a win in this game, then it, we should be able to sort of canter through to the end of the season. Whereas whereas at the moment, in, until we get out of this run, I mean, I've seen it mentioned a few times about the, the big run we had when Neil Ruddock scored the penalty against Newcastle when it was something like 19 games without a win. We're not quite in that territory yet, <laughs> but you, you can kind of see it. You know, the, long, the longer it goes on, the longer it's likely to go on. Do you know what I mean? Because the belief just goes and you don't think you're ever going to win a game. And that, that was a last second penalty. So it was a very scruffy way to, to actually win a game. Yeah, um, that was in the old days when we used to get given penalties. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. And then, and then <laughs> they let us actually take them instead of reverting them off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I just think it, it's a it's a game. It's not a game we have to win in the truest sense of a must-win game, but it's, <laughs> um, it's one that we, we should certainly be targeting to yeah. win. And Dan, just finally then, before we get predictions on Sheffield United, uh, again, ahead of the Everton game, Ralph said that, fingers crossed, there's a chance Diallo... Uh, could be back for the Sheffield United game. I think we've seen the photos of him training since. He said there's an outside chance that 
Carl Walker Peters could be get back for that game as well. So again, I, I suppose I was going to ask you, do you think that's good news? You know, as in we need these players to be fit, or are you slightly concerned? Maybe like I am, maybe it's me being pessimistic again that we're rushing players back because of our urgency and our desperate situation. Then you run the risk of them being out longer term again. Well, I'd, I'd, you'd like to think that they're they're only going to play if they've been cleared by you know the relevant people they need to clear them and they're not as Ralph will always say that a player will always tell you he's 100% fit and he, look I mean Oriol Romero surely, probably, surely no player's ever 100% fit well I don't know look at James Ward-Prowse he must be 100 and you know he's got to be 100% fit if he plays every yeah, single game I don't know it's he is just an he's a Duracell bunny isn't he <laughs> um, I, you'd like to think that when, when Ralph has spoken about this in the past that he is Ralph's got to be careful with how he manages them because they tell you they're fit and they may have a niggle or, or something like that. And as Steve says, no player really ever plays at 100% fit. There's always something, but it's about managing that something. And if you've got a player coming back from injury like Kyle, who's already been out recently as well, then you'd like to think that he's he's completely ready to play because it it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth Kyle being injured for another two or three weeks what what do you achieve from that for bringing them back for one game there's just no point unless it was the FA Cup final what is the point it's it's not going to help anyone so yeah I think I don't think they'd be rushing them back I can probably see why people may think they would and I'm sure there is a desire for them to come back ASAP but rushing them back at this stage I don't think would be the, the wisest thing to do because there's no real benefit of doing that other than you just lose them again mm. well, let's, yeah. let's see how Ramsey gets on tomorrow night I guess <laughs> indeed if he plays uh, well our record at Bramall Lane over the years is uh, mixed but we did of course win there 1-0 last season I'm sure everyone remembers thanks to a wonderful piece of skill from the Mali and Messi Musa Gineppo after he'd even played part of the game at left back of course insert lol but can they repeat it let's see what the guys think Dan let's start with you so you're following up your 2-1 win at Everton with a trip to Sheffield United what do you reckon I think they're going to grind out a 1-0 win oh. Southampton a nervy 1-0 win, eh? So, uh, Steve? Early, early goal opens the game up, and I think we win at a canter 3-0. Three, three Why not? <laughs> wow. Well, we never learned, did we? On bottom of the league, I might, I might as well just go for something random. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I really, really hope they win. Imagine the scenes if we do. So obviously I'm going 1-0 Blades. So, Glenn, you can bring us home in a blaze of glory, because I can tell just from the other end of the line that you're feeling positive. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I'll go in in between the prediction of the other two guys. I'll go 2 0 Saints. 2 0 win. Brilliant. You're listening to the Total Saints podcast, going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Right, that's it for another episode of TSP. Thanks for listening to us and to Steve, Glenn and Dan for their always valued and educated opinion. We'll be back next weekend to reflect on that Bramall Lane fixture. Look ahead to Man City away, gulp, and Brighton at home. If things go relatively well at Sheffield United, then we'll also have our March International Supporters Club feature next week as well. If you'd like to get in touch, you can contact us, Twitter at Total Saints Pod, Facebook Total Saints Pod, drop us a direct message or comment on one of our posts, or you can email us totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com. Until then, fingers crossed for something other than an L at Goodison Park. Keep marching in.
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.